This week's edition of The Cool Room is brought to you by next week's edition of The Cool Room. Now, I know that sounds a little bit strange, but we're really genuinely so excited about what's going to be happening on our virtual Meet the Brewers session on Thursday, May the 21st of 2020, that we want to let you all know about it. Uh, that night, we have Brooks, who's the head brewer from Nomad, joining us. And to celebrate that, we've got a couple of tasting packs that we're home delivering to Melbourne, uh, containing some amazing Nomad core range beers, and also two collaborations that they've done with Rogue uh, from the US and from Ale Farm in Denmark. Uh, it gets better than that, though, because not only do we have a pre-recorded information session with Rogue that will be exclusive to the cool room, but amazingly, we also have Casper, who is the head brewer and CEO of Ale Farm in Denmark, calling in live as part of our Zoom virtual Meet the Brewers that evening. If you've not been part of a virtual Meet the Brewers with us before, they're fantastic fun, and having the beers in front of you as the brewers explain them to you is a pretty amazing experience. I think I've said amazing now about 25 times. Even that doesn't do it quite justice. Uh, please, if you haven't already uh, liked us on Facebook, go and do that, and from there you'll be able to find the event page that has all the information about the Zoom logon and all of the information about the packs that are available. There's very limited amounts of those beers, so if you'd like to get them, please get in touch with us as soon as possible. And now, the cool room. Hello, everyone, and you're in the cool room. It's uh, your host, David Griffiths, today, flying solo without any of my usual bunch of helpers because we're recording a bit early in the morning, coffee in hand. But we've uh, got an exciting guest today who's got a series of exciting bits of news to tell us. So I thought, let's get it recorded and get it out into the world. So it's my good friend Kumar from Quiet Deeds or Deeds Brewing, whichever name they're going by on whichever can is coming our way today. G'day, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good, Dave. Yourself? Good. Good, good. Are you from Deeds or Quiet Deeds today? Uh, Deeds Brewing. Deeds Brewing. So, uh, yeah, I think there's still a lot of confusion out in the market at the moment. Um, but uh, we are now officially Deeds Brewing and we brew Quiet Deeds, but we also brew Dark Deeds, uh, which are our darker beers. And maybe someday we'll, we'll brew, I don't know, Wild Deeds or Dirty Deeds or who knows. <laughs> And um, does that mean that all of your social medias are now Deeds Brewing? So this is the tricky question. That I didn't give you any prep. For yes, heads up that on, is a very, you know what? I'm going to say a marketing person does a pretty bang up job. I reckon she has probably changed everything over to, to Deeds Brewing now. Pr pressure's on and we'll find out as I have to yes. tag various yeah, sort of things as we go. Messaging in saying, oh, hey, no, this one hasn't been changed or here's the, the Twitter that hasn't changed yet. I know in the past I've been caught on that one, but you know we'll we'll, we'll sort that out. That's someone else's problem now. You've officially handballed that one very nicely in the first minute or so. <laughs> um, there's obviously lots of exciting news from Deeds, but I think maybe before we get into that, I was going to talk to you about the life of a rep. I know there's a whole lot of our listeners who dream of being able to work in the beer industry, or at least did until perhaps three months ago, and are now reconsidering their life choices, but. I guess I'd be interested to sort of hear a bit about your background before you got into repping on the road and, you know, why it is that you made that choice. Yeah, um, so uh, I, uh, I didn't intentionally get into beer. Um, I sort of stumbled into it. Uh, I was working overseas for a while, uh, teaching flying trapeze, and then 
came back to Australia and was like, great, I'm ready to start doing a marketing job. And then the marketing jobs were like, yeah, cool. What sort of experience do you have? I was like, life experience. And they were like, mm, <laughs> no. Uh, flying trapeze. I, I, before, you, before you go on with the ripping stuff, you need to explain a little bit about flying trapeze teaching. Whereabouts in the world were you doing that? Uh, so I was doing it in, I was doing it with a company called Club Med, um, which is an international holiday resort chain. Um, yep. And they employed me off the basis, not of my circus ability, but off my, off the basis of my enthusiasm. They figured that <laughs> they could teach me, uh, teach me all the stuff that I needed to know, but they couldn't teach me to have a good attitude. So uh, yeah, they gave me a job. I had a blast. Um, but yeah, came back with not a whole lot of marketing experience for that, unfortunately. <laughs> Whereabouts? Whereabouts were you trapezing or teaching uh, trapezing? Thailand, um, just uh, just outside of the main area of Phuket, and then Japan on a really, really, really far northern island. Yeah, right. Um, it, to the point where it was closer to Taiwan than it was mainland Japan. Right, I didn't know they had resort places up in those parts of the world. Yeah, uh, neither did I. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it was absolutely beautiful. And I had, uh, yeah, that was kind of like my um, gap year. Uh, mm. But I did it after uni, which may have been a mistake. But at the end of the day, it's led me to where I am now. I'm pretty happy where I am now. So came and back and... Came back um, to Melbourne? Yeah, came back to, to Melbourne. Things, yeah. Decided I want to do marketing stuff. And then I was uh, um, CUB. Uh, basically, there was a position in position open for marketing there. I was like, oh yeah, that'd be cool working for a beer company, um, doing marketing for them. I'll give it a crack. Uh, went in for an interview. It was the first interview I'd had in a while. And I was like, yes, this is super exciting. They took me through, walked me through the call center and explained to me about the call center. I was like, that's weird. I don't really need to know about that doing marketing. Um, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah. So you're probably not the right fit for the marketing job with a lack of experience. But you know, if you start in the call center, you'll definitely be able to work your way into marketing. I was like, oh, well, that's obviously why they took me through the call center. Um, a little insight, yes. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that'll make sense now. Um, anyway, how they many, didn't. How many people sit in their call center? Because I'm often on hold to them. I'm just wondering whether it's just, you know, one man. It was like some sort of Simpsons episode of, you know, one, one man and 50 phones ringing or, you know. Yeah, so no, it was, yeah, it was pretty much just me. It was me and, and my, uh, my manager sort of watching over me. Nah, there's like a, it's, it's a big... <laughs> It's a big operation. There's a, a lot of people. Um, uh, but as a result, I have a lot of sympathy now for people on the other end of, uh, of let's say, call centres, um, yep. having worked on the other end of it. But at the end of the day, uh, it was just beer, but I did get a taste for working in beer. Um, and sort of, uh, yeah, I guess I got more of an appreciation of selling beer. And it was also an area that all of a sudden I had marketable skills in where I could go to someone and be like, Hey, I do actually know stuff about this. Yep. Um, I didn't know much about beer when I started there. Um, I know quite a lot more than I did then, but I'm still definitely no expert. Um, so it's, it's the fun thing about beer is always something you to learn a new style or a new something else. There's always stuff to learn. Uh, and the nice thing about having our own brewing team finally is that I've got people that I can actually ask questions about. And, you know, uh, because we have such a diverse range of, of talents in the brewing team, uh, everyone's sort of got a different particular niche that they're incredible at. And so as a result, I get to learn all sorts of weird shit. 
that I wouldn't have otherwise gotten. So uh, yeah, I'm still, but yeah, still learning a lot. Um, eventually got sick of working for a big uh, soulless corporation where I was just a little cog in a machine. Um, decided it was probably about time to get out there and, and try and see if I could make it in the independent world doing face-to-face -face stuff. Uh, I interviewed at 11 different independent breweries. Um, Jeez, I didn't realize as many as that. Yeah. Um, so I, I applied for a lot. Um, I got a lot of interviews and kept getting told the same thing that we like you, but we like someone else and they already, you know, they're already out on the road and they already have a customer base and, and all that. So, uh, it was easy to get disheartened, but then I wasn't enjoying working at CB anymore. So, uh, that sort of kept me motivated. Yep. Yep. Uh, and finally I interviewed at uh, this company, Red Island, and I was like, I didn't really know much about Red Island. So I looked them up and, and did some quote unquote product research. And, um, and, and I remember some of those product research sort of bits. So you were quite open in sort of going and to venues that already had, well, particularly founders beers and some of the others. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, that actually, it's funny you mentioned that because, uh, that was quite a while ago back when, back when you're at Mr. Griffiths. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that was actually, I remember that well because that was a Saturday and that was the Saturday after my first interview where I'd been told that I could come back for a second interview. Um, and, uh, essentially I needed to put together a plan to show how I would build the area in 90 days, having never been a rep before. Uh, yep, which is so, a pretty scary task just to look yeah, in the middle of. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, to be honest, even now, if I was to do that, that would be a pretty, uh, an ominous task for me. Um, yes. but as someone who had never been a rep, so I figured, screw it. I would just spend my Saturday and my Sunday pretending to be a sales rep and just going <laughs> from bottle shop to bar and asking people like yourself, Dave, what you, what was important for you guys as far as reps and what you looked for. Um, what sort of beers uh, you were keeping your eyes out for, um, you know, how, how you bought beers. Cause I didn't really know any of this stuff uh, because I was only used to dealing with VB pubs uh, where the attitude was like, well, uh, if we can get your beer, great. But if we can't, it's not like you're going anywhere. Cause what are you going to do? Not buy VB where all of a sudden now we're working for an independent brewery where there's, you know, 80 other independent yep. breweries in any given suburb. Um, and it's pretty damn competitive. And, you know, to this day, you're still the only person that's ever actually come and asked for that advice um, and have that conversation. <laughs> now, to preface, or not preface, I'm going to suffix that by saying I'm not going to be, you know, able to every single person who'd like a job as a rep, you know, don't come and stand in the front bar of the Royal Mail and expect an hour's worth of my, whatever my knowledge might be. But just... You know, really has always stood out to me that, you know, you were keen and interested and you actually did the work rather than hoping that it would magically happen. Yeah, well, I think um, it's, it's really nice that you remember that, actually, Dave. I, was, uh, I just didn't get it. Absolutely. And I like talking about founders' beers. So. Yeah, well, um, so that was, uh, I, I think it's also just I was so, so, so thrilled to be, for someone to finally be giving me a shot and not yep. just being like, oh, you know, it'd be much easier for us to just get someone in who already knows what they're doing. Um, uh, so, yeah, I really wanted to show them that, hey, I, I, like I'm willing to work hard and, and I'm willing to work smart as well. 
Um, so I figured that that was probably a pretty good way. And uh, yeah, they they gave me a job and, and three and a half years later, I'm still here. Um, probably will be for the foreseeable future. It's as long as I think anyone's, you know, pretty much had, a, I think I've gone through three or four jobs in the time that you've been doing that one. So, you know, perhaps I should get life advice from you about how to, you know, lead a structured normal life. Yeah, but I think the nice thing for you is that each each of the things that you've done has been your own thing. That's there in that's the good bit and the bad bit. But let's not dwell on. <laughs> yes, I suppose that's true. I suppose that's true. It's um, it's a thing. It is. That's the best way to put it. It certainly is a thing. Um, tell so when you joined Deeds slash Red Island, you want to sort of describe how it was then, and I guess what. <laughs> the transformation that particularly Deeds has undergone in those, you know, those years that you've been working for them in terms of locations, range, brewers, it's just been a massive change from, it looks nothing like what you would have walked into. No. So uh, back in the day, um, we were, we just received a big, a uh, big founder shipment. That was the um, sh- the last time that Lizard of Coz came into Australia. Um, I remember it well. Yeah. Uh, so I'd sort of hit the ground running and was uh, familiarizing myself with these uh, bourbon barrel aged triple IPAs and, uh, you know, uh, products that I'd never really before come into contact with, like anything like that before. Mm. Um, so I was wrapping my head around the beers while also wrapping my head around the fact that people were happy to pay, you know, 10 to $20 for a stubby of beer, where having previously worked at CUB, you know, people were happy to pay $3 for a can of something. And not even happy to. They were forced to. They'd much yeah. rather pay $2.75 in happy hour. Or, you know. Yeah, exactly right. So it was, um, it was a, big, uh, a big jump to go from macro to craft. But then also, uh, you know, we were a very, Red Island back then um, was a very, very small, not a tiny operation, but, you know, it was a team of, of less than 10 people, uh, including the warehouse legends and, uh, we had a small office slash warehouse in Port Melbourne. and uh, Yeah, we were just sort of trying to make it work while we tried to figure out how to get into this brewery space that the boys had bought in Port Melbourne. Um, uh, sorry, not in Port Melbourne, in, in Glen Iris, which is hmm. where we're brewing out of now. Um, and yeah, like back then, we weren't, it wasn't Deeds Brewing. It was Quiet Deeds under Red Island. I remember well. Um, we had a very, very different packaging design that was uh not quite as streamlined and as easy to read as the one we have now (laughs) uh and yeah i i think i was sort of walking into conversations uh within the first couple of months and uh discussing pricing um like price was a big focus when when talking about the beers and, and getting the beers on um and sort of uh, working on building relationships with people and, and trying to leverage that. And uh, whereas these days, uh, when I'm talking to people about beers, it's uh, I go in and price is sort of the last thing that the last element of the discussion that we have. Now it's yep. more about uh, the quality of the beer and, and sort of the. I know it's not much of a thing yet in beer, but almost like the the provenance, I think, is the wanky wine word that they talk about, like where it's come from and, and yep. sort of the ingredients used in it and the, the quality and stuff like that. So it's just, it, it feels, I, I guess that's why I'm still working for them three and a half years later, because it 
feels like I'm now working for a completely different company. And um, I guess we're sort of skipping ahead a little bit here, but in terms of Glen Iris, one of the reasons we've got you on today is because there's big, exciting news in Glen Iris. Very, very exciting news in Glen um, Iris. So it's been, what, as you say, about three years since that site was sort of coming into the minds of people? Um, I think more even. I think it was a, a four-year process to even get the, like, to be able to brew there. Um, and that was Feb last year. So I could be wrong on this, but it might be five, five years since uh, that the guys have been fighting to try and be able to have people come in and have a beer at the pub directly from the source. And that's what you've now received approval to actually do. We have finally received approval from the council to actually get people into the tap room in Glen Iris, which is thrilling. We are so <laughs> excited, Dave. We're so freaking excited. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a long, long battle, and I was watching the um, uh, the stream of the council meeting where they discussed it. Um, and uh, obviously you need to have enough councillors vote for the tap room rather than against it. Um, and all the people who were voting for, there were still a couple of opponents, um, uh, but there was enough people who were excited about it. The people who were for it were so lovely in what they said and, you know, discussing how, uh, how it's, you know, we've been doing all the right things and, and they used the example of the fact that we've, um, started producing hands or we started producing hand sanitizer refills yep. um you know as, as an example of the fact that it's it's these small businesses that are really um that are nimble and adapt quickly and are, you know bringing essentially bringing jobs to an area that's otherwise pretty quiet uh at a time where other places are shutting down and, and laying people off um it's it's things like that that really need to be supported and yeah, at the at the end of that uh, sort of segment, they they voted on it, and uh, we got the tick. So now we just need to keep our fingers crossed that no one objects to the brewery so vehemently that uh, they decide to take us to VCAT. Um, it's a pretty expensive venture, so you have to really be against something to do it. I think we've got like no objections so far. We've still got like a week or two left, so fingers crossed. But that's kind of the last hurdle. I'm pretty and confident then, that no one who's going to object will be listening today. So I would, I would really hope so. I really hope so. And if you are, please don't. Please <laughs> don't. Um, it's worth saying there's been a huge amount of support from the Melbourne craft beer community. Oh, I know there were petitions and, you know. The, yeah, the, the petition got well over a thousand signatures on it. Um, uh, basically, every time we do any sort of event, people keep telling us that they've seen the position, they've signed the position, they can't wait to be able to come in and drink, they love our beers. It's just, it's so, so nice. And I almost feel like, you know, once again, we were talking before we started about um, silver linings and focusing on the positives. And I think one of the really lovely things is that it's allowed people to get invested in the brewery um, and to feel like they, and because they genuinely have, played a big impact in getting the brewery open yeah um, or getting the tap room open i should say so um yeah i just those first beers that pour out of the taps are going to be the most delicious <laughs> beers that any of us have ever had i reckon 
And, and you're now in the same position, well, not you personally, but the deeds overall, that every other sort of publican and bar owner in Melbourne is of waiting to see what coronavirus lockdown does to your opening days? Or is there other work that has to be done before you can actually roll those doors open? Yeah, it's, I mean, for us, it's almost like it gives us some breathing room. So uh, we won't have people, uh, you know, people turning up at the pub the, the day after the, um, the objection period's closed and we officially get our permits. Um, because, yeah, it's going to take a little while before the pub is, is actually ready for people to come in. Um, all the infrastructure is there, uh, but, you know, right now it's definitely a brewery. Uh, and people come in and, you know, we sort of point out to them like, oh, yeah, you know, that's where the bar's going to be and there's going to be tables over there. Uh, but right now it's just um, just concrete at the moment. So we definitely have a bit of fitting out to do and obviously we need to uh, find a, a um, absolutely star team. and uh, Keep your yeah, eye open for jobs, yes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we will be hunting. We will be on the hunt. Uh, I think the hope is that as the weather starts to warm up, we might be able to have people coming in around then, yep. um, whether that's spring or summer. Uh, we're not really sure yet, but it's uh, it's finally no longer at the whim, like out of our hands. Now this yep. is stuff that we can control, you know? It's your so own I, destiny now. Yeah, yeah. Our destiny's back in our own hands. So it's, it's just, we're all very, very excited. Very, very excited. It's an awesome space. I know when I came out and visited what seems like a million years ago for... Episode, uh, series two, episode six, if you want to go back and check the, uh, the, uh, the archives of the podcast. That's when we came out and had a chat with Pat and Justin about the brewery side of things. But we saw that space and you did exactly what you said in terms of pointing to things and saying, this is going to go here and this is going to go there. Um, it's a great space once it's going to be ready to rock. Yeah, we're so, we're so excited. And it's funny that you, you mentioned that because, yeah, that was, I think that would have been almost... A year ago now. Cause That'd I think, be about right, I reckon. Yeah, from memory, I think Lamington Ale or Vanilla Porter had sort of just canned up. Uh, yeah, well that, well, that would all fit together because I think what we were doing was coming out to see some of the beers being made that we had for the Royal Mail on Spencer's first birthday under oh, my... that's right, tutelage. yes. But that was, that was mid-August was when that function was. Yeah. And that was the double lamington and things like that. I think we came out and saw the raspberry stains on the cool room floor and things That's like that. That's right. It looks like a, a murder scene. I think it still does in there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, um, it was confronting for those who haven't been in cool rooms. It's uh, hence the yeah. podcast. Yeah, um, indeed. Um, and, um, and thank you for uh, not asking me the, uh, the normal question at the start of what's the craziest thing that I've seen in a cool room because I haven't really had any experience with cool rooms? Oh, well, this will give you sort of another 10 or 15 minutes to think about that before I ask it at the very end then. So, oh, you know, consider good. Yes, yourself. perfect. I'd sort, of, I'd sort of forgotten about that, but I'll make a little note now just to make sure we get onto that. Oh, um, perfect. Yep, that's, that'll... Good, 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 good. <laughs> One other tricky question for you as we go along. Mm. Have the team thought about whether it's going to be a dog-friendly bar or not? Uh, so we actually... Um, so I'm training a seeing eye dog at the moment. I'm well aware. Of, uh, a lot of the, the team have dogs. Um, and Glenar, certainly the area of Glenaris that we're in is, um, you know, you see people walking their dogs all the time. So we've been pushing pretty hard for it to be dog friendly. Um, 
unfortunately, I think it's the same thing with uh, what's happened in the West with Bar Josephine. Um, according to my understanding of it is that basically if Dan Andrews is on a mission, he can change it, but he's as, as written legally, uh, anywhere that you're serving beer, the council is well within its rights to say, Hey, you can't have dogs in here. Um, fingers crossed that they can sort of like turn a blind eye to that, or we can figure out a way to work around it because yeah, I would really, really love to be, uh, all dog friendly instead of just service dog friendly. Now I, I raise that by way of a little segue to our little segment that we sometimes have called Controversy Corner, where we try to court controversy in the Melbourne beer community. I'm going to throw it out there that out of all the reps in Melbourne who have dogs, and lots of reps in Melbourne have dogs, yours might be the cutest, best-looking dog <laughs> in Melbourne. Uh, I, look, Dave, I don't think that's really a controversy. I think that's just, that's just fact, right? It, it may not be controversy from your point of view, but I, I think things are going to get heated here. But um, not only are you the well owner or carer for one very cute dog, you're now the owner slash carer for how many little cute dogs? Uh, so she's just recently had seven puppies. Um, and I wish that I could say that I was the owner slash carer of those <laughs> puppies, but um, they'll be going out to, uh, they're six weeks old now. Um, and they'll be going out to their, uh, their respective carers' families uh, in the nearest future. And they will be the next generation of seeing eye dogs. Uh, but uh, yeah, they are, uh, yeah, one very, very cute dog has made seven adorable little uh, black and gold <laughs> Labradors. Uh, and I'm, I'm missing her terribly, but loving the photo and video updates that we're getting from seeing eye dogs at the moment. We might throw a picture of that up on of your dog up on the uh, Facebook page and encourage other reps in Melbourne to see if they can out cutify yours. But that sounds um, like a great idea. I will send you probably fifty photos and several <laughs> links to videos. I think even if the uh, the listening public for the podcast aren't into that, my son will be. So rest assured that they'll be they'll be gratefully gratefully received. Excellent. Uh, in terms of things that are gratefully received, beer is always gratefully received by our listeners. And um, What a segue. I'm <laughs> pretty happy with it, to be, to be honest. Those three cups of coffee I've had this morning are really starting to kick in now. Um, we've been dropping out uh, home-delivering beers to our listeners uh, to coincide with some of our Meet the Brewers podcasts and related matters. And I thought, why don't we put together a fun little four-pack of beers that Kimo likes that we can drop out as well. So what four beers have you selected and do you want to give people a bit of a, a taste of what they're going to be able to drink so that people can listen to the podcast and open those beers and enjoy them in the, in the luxury of their own lounge room? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've put together, we're putting together like a little um, deeds care package almost. Um, so we've got uh, two beers that sort of, um, uh, accelerated us to where we are and sort of helped us decide the direction that we would be going. Um, so Juice Train, which was the, the, hopefully anyone listening to this podcast is already familiar with Juice Train. Um, it was the beer that was meant to be a single batch summer limited release in December 2017. Um, and people just kept demanding it. And it's now part of our core range. Uh, it was our bestseller. I think in 2018, and it shouldn't have been. 
Um, <laughs> so way, uh, you know, it was designed to be a limited release beer. And we had a session ale in our range that was designed to be bought by the slab. And, yep. uh, you know, that was where we discovered that, wow, people, people want to buy beer that's interesting and different. And the tastes where like, you know, taste has been a massive focus. Um, and they're happy to pay for good beer. Uh, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, the, the penny sort of dropped and we're like, we can, we can make tasty beer that's interesting and good and doesn't have to be like, you know, $15 for a six pack and people will still buy it. Oh my God, this it, changes everything. And it really has for the brewery, hasn't it? it just yeah. Of- yeah, it really has. Um, you know, double time, which we put in there as well. And both double time and juice train were literally just canned this week. Um, so they're super fresh as well. Um, but Double Time was our pale ale uh, after we threw out our old Australian style pale ale recipe. Um, it's a it's a hazy pale. It's pretty heavily dry hopped. Um, back in the day, eight grams per liter was you know when we started Feb last year that was pretty much the heaviest dry hop we did with the exception of Juice Train. Now that it, it sounds very light, but certainly for a pale, it packs a big punch. Um, uh, yeah, very very. Uh, it was a beer where when a lot of people tried it, they were they were expecting an Australian style pale ale and they got something that was quite different. Um, so it's it's got this lovely dry hop character up front. Um, you know, the, the hops present real fruity, uh, but then it has, because it's a core pale ale, it needs to be very sessionable and you need to be able to drink a lot of it. And the brewers have somehow managed to get this finish where it just, it's so easy it's not crisp because it's you know it, it's not a, a lager but it just drops off so quickly and it it's, gives it this moorish character so yeah a very very it's a, a really interesting pale to have as a core pale um but i think it's a big part of the reason that we are where we are now uh, i think it absolutely is and i guess to reinforce you know the role that you as a rep play and to sort of go back to what we're starting the conversation with you know, I'd probably made my mind up on deeds and their products, you know, three or four, five years ago. Mm. And they weren't beers that I had uh, at either the Bowls Club or Mr. Griffiths. Uh, founders were and sort of Red Island products were. But deeds itself probably weren't. But you persistently knocked on my door, came in with cold samples, which always makes a very big difference. I'll add to anyone else who's listening and trying to be a rep. But quite genuinely, you sat down, I can remember one day, and sort of had four samples of things and sat there while I drank them with you rather than leaving for me to, you know, have them at my leisure with staff. And that completely changed my opinions on the kinds of beers that Deeds was producing. I think we've had them in the fridge or on tap in one way, shape or form pretty much ever since. Yeah. And it's just, I, I just feel so blessed to work for, you know, for that Pat and Dave were willing to, uh, sort of look at at the beers that um, that they that we're now doing, and that you know we ended up with the crack brewing team that we've ended up with, um, like that the A team of brewing that we've got, and you know that we had uh, Adam back then uh, when he was working with us. Um, uh, he was a big part as well because you know he had a, a lot of grounding in the UK and and Manchester, which is where Cloudwater originates from, and. Um, you know, there's all sorts of factors that have uh, that's meant that we're doing what we're doing now. But 
it would have been so easy to just keep chugging along and making the same old beers um, and sort of fading, essentially fading into obscurity where mm. now when people are talking about, um, you know, exciting breweries that are going on at the moment, a lot of the time we're being mentioned and it's just so, uh, it, it's, it's, we almost can't believe it. You know, yep. it, it, we've worked our asses off at getting where we are, but it still just feels like we're, we're dreaming at the moment and it's, it's bloody lovely. So uh, it's, it's really, really nice to hear like people from yourself who, who um, you know, your, your perception of Deeds Brewing changed so much. Due to, due to the hard work, I mean, you know, genuinely for reps that are out there, that's, that's exactly what your job is, is to take, you know, old jaded people in the industry who've got preformed opinions and, you know, without putting it too strongly, force them to try the beer and, and see what's changed and what's, what's improved. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a big, um, I think there's a big part of it in just keep, I suppose at the end of the day, keeping in mind that our job is just beer. You know, I, I live with an occupational therapist and a, a nurse who's working in the emergency department. And, uh, you know, when they have bad days, they have bad days. Yes. And when I have a bad day, it's like, oh, I didn't sell much beer today. And one of my customers was kind of mean to me. Um, so, it's yeah, I think, true. I think it's just like keeping in mind that it's really, at the end of the day, it's just beer and, and to have fun with it. Because uh, like it would be really, and I try and do that a lot, um, sit down with people and actually enjoy the beers with them. First of all, because I love the beers, um, so it gives me an excuse to to have a sip while we're going. Um, but also, it's, and you've got it's, a guide dog to make sure that you can find your way home. So yeah, you know, exactly. A seeing eye dog to to help me make sure that um, I get home nice and safe. But uh, yeah, and I think also like when you genuinely love the the products, then that you don't really have to sell them. It just you're really passionate about it, and you want to share this thing that you're very passionate about. Um, and so, you know, every so often someone will say to me like, oh, you know, are you blood? especially when I'm doing ta in-store tastings for bottle shops and stuff, people will always say, oh, you know, you've, you've done it, you've sold me on them. But a lot of the time I'm just like, hey, you want to try this beer? Um, these are the flavors that you, you'll probably get from the beer. And, and so I'm like, no, but I didn't sell you on it. The beer sold you on it, mate. I'm just <laughs> here to get you to try the beer. Um, now, you so, yeah, mentioned flav flavours people are going to find in beers. So you've talked about the two sort of core range beers in our uh, Deeds Care Pack. Mm. Let's talk about the flavours that people are going to find in the two non-core range beers that they're going to find. Yeah, there. so we've got two uh, pretty exciting ones in there. Uh, we have Blur Vines, which is um, which was our Gab's beer in 2018, I think. 20 yeah, 2018. Um, and now, just hold that thought for two seconds because to prove that we're a live podcast, I'm going to have to pause the interview for two seconds while I go and receive a Star Trek delivery at the front door. So, no problem. Seconds, brother. A classier podcast than us would have some really cool little edit music in there to sort of indicate that we've jumped forward 30 seconds, but I'm not that classy. So, keep going. Oh, Blair Vines. Blair Vines. Uh, yeah, Gab's Beer 2018. Um, uh, it was once again. It's a sort of a an experimental beer that got a very good response. Um, it's a double neeper that's quite heavily dry hopped, uh, but we've also included uh, wine must, which is basically pre-fermented wine or grape juice, essentially. Um, I I thought that there would be. I'm not much of a wino myself, to be honest. 
Um, I or, a, or a wine drinker even. Yes, yeah, or a wine drinker. Um, I'm, mo- I'm a mostly beer guy who can still appreciate other things, but definitely having my choice, it's beer, beer, beer. Um, I was a bit nervous that it might be uh, very whiny, um, but instead it just, it almost highlights some of the whiny characters in the, the hops that we've used. Um, so it's got, yeah, just a very, very delicate uh, character to it on the front of palate flavor profile. Uh, and the, the body of it is just delicious. Just delicious. So, um, yeah, it's it's another one of those beers that we... In fact, both of these beers are beers that we're doing for a second time, brewing up for a second time. Um, and it's purely off the back of how well it was received previously. Uh, and each time that the brewers do a beer, they make very minor tweaks to, to improve it. Um, so these should be the best versions of Blur Vines. And then also Survivor Type, which is the mm-hmm. other one. Um, Tell us about that. I think there's been a whole lot of people who've been really hanging out for this one to be re-released. Yeah, so uh, this is one of the ones that got, uh, I suppose, got us really, started to really get us noticed last year. Um, when we, when the brewers first pitched it, I think they almost pitched it as a joke just to see what they, what they were able to get away with uh, because they were proposing uh, this hazy triple IPA and it to be dry hopped at 31 grams per litre. Um, for, yeah, for, for non-beer nerds, I guess we're comparing that to the eight grams you were mentioning earlier on. You know, yeah. And four that times was, the hopping. Yeah. yeah and, and those eight grams, that's quite heavy. No, that's, that's quite heavy for a beer. Um, Juice Train is, is very heavily dry hopped and that's 10 grams per litre. So, uh, and, and also, I suppose one of the other things is um, a little insight into the brewing process and, and as far as costing beers go. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask this. Yeah. Mm, so hops represent a massive cost as far as the beer goes and especially uh, when you're ordering certain hops in order to achieve, you know, with, with a certain flavor profile in mind and you're not just picking up what's cheap but you're like oh no we really need a heap of galaxy in this or you know we really need a a heap of halitau blank um and so yeah all of a sudden you're looking down the barrel of beer that is 10 percent. so of course there's going to be um a bit of a bit of tax on the alcohol levels but then the cost of ingredients is phenomenal and the heavier that you dry hop it um because the hops and once again, could be wrong here, but my understanding is the hops essentially absorb liquid. Uh, and as a result, you get less beer. So you've got a beer that has used more expensive ingredients and then per liter, it's become more expensive again. Uh, and we were looking down the barrel of uh, a beer that was sort of going to be retailing at you know, um, between 14 and, and $16 for a 440 mil can. Mm. Uh, and, and the kegs... Uh, yeah, let's not, let's not even yeah yep. let's not even uh, you, you would not want to be buying anything more than a pot of that um, without getting serious questions from whoever else has access <laughs> to your bank account let's say um, but you know we'd had some great success with Traveller and, and great success with Fortune and Glory and at this point the um, Pat and Dave I think they just sort of shrugged their shoulders and, and said yeah look get, give it a crack <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we've done pretty well so far. If it doesn't work, we'll know for the future. Um, but holy shit, did it work? Yeah. 
Um, it did really, really well. Uh, it got massive amounts of feedback. Um, a lot of really positive uh, comments on it. It got some great traction on social media. It has a very distinctive can art. It's got like that police tape uh, uh, design sort of thing going on. Which you're rocking the t-shirt of right now. Yeah, which yeah, I am. Absolutely Actually, no help whatsoever to no help to anyone watching land, the podcast. But, um, I think it looks awesome for what that's worth. Uh, yeah, available on our uh, deedsbrewing.com.au, uh, available on our web store. Well played. I didn't even realise there was a web store. Ah, there you go. Um, but yeah, no, Survivor Type, Hazy Triple IPA, uh, massive. Uh, obviously, it's it's a Deeds Hazy. Um, so they've got those really good, uh, intense, juicy characters on the front. Um, the brewers have done such a good job of balancing because once you get the the higher ABV, um, that can really take over and it would be, it's very easy to sort of, um, you know, when you try a beer that is very high ABV, you can generally taste the alcohol, um, but they do such a good job of balancing the, the malt profile and the, the hop character to make sure that it all sort of melds beautifully together and it finishes too easy, dangerously easily. <laughs> um, so I just chose the keyboard warrior that I had the other day as well, but we digress a little bit on that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, ju- uh, Justin, a head brewer, his, uh, I'd say he is playing on home turf when he's brewing big ABV beers. Um, and this is no exception. And, uh, we're very, very glad that we can make beers like this and that people will pick them up. So, uh, for everyone who has been picking up our limited releases and, and p- giving us another crack, um, thank you, because we really, really appreciate it and we're still just blown away by all the support that everyone's been giving us in the past sort of year and a half or so. And so those little four packs will be available through our sort of online selling that coincides with the podcast. So for those of you that haven't been part of that before, each Thursday night, we're doing a Meet the Brewers. Uh, tonight, it's going to be with La Serene, also featuring Tilquin and DuPont, uh, by way of comparison. Next week, we've got Brooks from uh, Nomad. And I'm very excited to say that live from Denmark, uh, the CEO and founder of Ale Farm, Casper uh, is going to be calling in to join us. Oh, and wow. so there's a pack of Rogue, uh, Nomad and Ale Farm going out. And the week after that will be Blackman's. But if you're getting any of those drinking packs, the Deeds little four packs can be available in those as well. So we'll make sure that all of our listeners are aware of, our, of those as they go out. Kumar, I think you've described those beautifully. There's going to be a whole lot of people who perhaps hadn't heard. Uh, I know there's a whole lot of people who had, but hadn't heard of the Survivor before who are going to want to be part of that one um i think i promised you a 20 minute interview and we've obviously gone longer than that so in a minute i'll let you go but this might come a little bit unexpectedly to you one question to close out on mate um cool rooms they're funny things yeah Um, they are i can't i can just imagine what it must have been like spending a lot of time in that you know when you're in hospo or uh yeah yeah what, do you ha- do you have a funny story from when you you know from from something you've seen in a in a cool room? Oh, that's a nice way of turning things around. I mean, the the original reason for those who come to the podcast late now that we're about forty interview uh, forty episodes in, is that really the cool room? Apart from being the backbone of any pub or bar, it's also the bit that 
stresses owners of places out the most because when you buy a pub, you know, you buy it probably mistakenly thinking that everything will be working and then very quickly you find, and this is universally true, it's not a reflection on the previous owner of the Royal Mail, but, you know, that, that no maintenance has been done on anything for a year or so and things start to break down. Most things breaking down you can deal with. The cool room breaking down on a hot day is sort of the archetypal thing that you can't deal with. And whether it was the Flemkin Bowls Club, whether it was Mr Griffiths in Kensington, whether it's the Royal Mail, all of the cool rooms sort of have their own little idiosyncrasies. Or say it's a bit like driving a vintage car. You learn how to, how to drive the car. You don't force the car to your will and the cool rooms are the same. Um, you know, you just sit there gently nursing, you know, spraying water onto the condensers to sort of cool things down and so forth. So to me, cool rooms are things of, of pain rather than amusing. And I know that what you've tried to do there is, you know, deflect the question, but I've been around politicians long enough just to, just to re-ask it. What's oh, the funniest thing you've ever seen? It's good does, to know. Does that... he know that you know? Uh, I mean... I mean, he will in an hour yeah, or so. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. But... He will. He will. Um, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's, a, it's a nice hiding spot. And I imagine that, you know, when you start at 4am and you finish at 7pm um, or later, uh, on days like that, you probably need a 15% Imperial Stout. Um, or you could always just leave a little slip of paper saying, I know about your stash or something like that. Just, just in there, just to freak him out a little bit. Ah, so. <laughs> uh, dear. Um, you, but been, yeah, and yeah. then also the ubiquitous uh, raspberry bloodstain on the, on the floor, which has been uh, mentioned before. But Yeah, uh, season two, episode six, go back and learn more about the raspberry bloodstain. Yeah, um, while you get to enjoy the dulcet sounds of uh, all the works that were going on in the brewery at the time, if I recall. That's that's absolutely right. It was a tricky old record for Damo that day. I can recall it precisely. You've Uh, been very generous with your time today, brother, and I appreciate that a lot. And I know there's going to be a whole lot of people who are going to get to appreciate some excellent Deeds beers, and hopefully we'll tag you in their social medias and so forth, presuming that it's all just Deeds these days. Um, I look forward to you being able to return dog in hand to the front bar of the Royal Mail uh, in the not-too-far future. Um, Me too, But for now, thank you again for your time and um, we'll look forward to seeing Deeds beers out in all fine bottle shops and pubs around Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, the world. Are you doing world yet? I'd like to to think that... um, um, Actually, we just recently sent some beers off to Thailand. Um, So it's a a start and I'd like to think that someday people will talk about Deeds in the same way that, you know, they talk about Cloudwater and um, they talk about uh, Ale Farm or, or um, other side. So, yeah, someday I think we'll, we'll get there. But right now uh, we're focusing on just making sure that everyone in Australia who wants our beer can get our beer. That's a great note to finish on. We know that there's going to be a whole lot of people uh, jumping off the trapeze over in Thailand and going able to enjoy a delicious Deeds beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 